You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Charlie. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and joining me today to make our Week 5 Picks of the Week is my co-host, Charlie. And week four, guys, was pretty good to us. It was another week above 500 for both of us here on the Glory UGA podcast. Both Charlie and myself, we went five and three against the spread for the second week in a row. I told you guys, the more football we get to see, the better our picks are going to get. That's kind of playing itself out here. Both of us hit on LSU minus two and a half over Mississippi State. Kentucky minus five and a half, barely hit that one, Charlie, over South Carolina. West Virginia plus 17 on the road in Norman. And then both of us, Charlie, hit Georgia minus 35 on the road in Nashville. You hit that one at the last second. You changed your pick. I think I actually talked you into that one, right? Yeah, I mean, you just alerted me to an important detail. Well, so I talked you into it. You're welcome. If that's how you see the situation, sure. You're welcome. You're welcome. No big deal. I'm here to serve. And then I also hit on Notre Dame over Wisconsin, and Charlie hit on Arkansas to cover the five and a half against AM. That brings us to 17 and 15 on the season, both of us at 17 and 15 on the season. And guys, I'm telling you, it's all up from here. As for our specialty picks, I also hit on my lock of the week of Kentucky, minus five and a half on the road at South Carolina. Barely hit that when I think it was 16 to 10 as the final score, so we got about as close as you could get to not covering that, but we hit on that, and I also hit my upset special, picking Notre Dame to beat Wisconsin outright. That brings me to five and one on the season with my lock picks, which are the picks I am telling you guys that I am most confident in, the ones I am actually putting my own money on. And I'm also 4-1 now with my upset special picks where I pick an underdog to win the game outright. Charlie, got to give you some credit here. Charlie hit her upset special by picking the Hogs to upset the Aggies. Charlie had them not just to cover, but to win the game outright. Nice pick, Charlie. I had the Aggies on that one. You nailed it. But Charlie also missed her lock of the week as Clemson failed to cover the 10 on the road against NC State. So Charlie is now 1-2 with her locks and 2-1 and with upset specials. And if you're wondering why Charlie only has three games on her record with her locks and her upset specials, well, Charlie, I'll just let you explain that. I forgot. I Two different weeks you've forgotten. 
Yeah. Well, I wrote down my upset special today. Do you it's have a lock yet? I'm or is that in progress? It. I feel like every week you have an in progress pick. The lock is in progress. Will you actually have it by the time we get to the game? I'm going to write like, a checklist if, at the bottom. All right. I will try to remember to remind you at the end of the episode if we don't get a lock from you. Oh, look at this little note you're making. With a star. So organized. Because I am a star. It's a professional podcast, guys, as you can click. Oh, my. Yes, Charlie the star. I should have introduced you properly. Our superstar, Charlie. Yeah, she is here with us today on the Glory UGA podcast. But, yeah, so it's a good week. It was a good week for us, Charlie. And hopefully we can build on that even more so this week. But, Charlie, you know that we also have to call ourselves out here at the outset of each of these episodes for our worst picks from the previous week. I honestly don't feel like I had a terrible pick. I mean, I lost three of them, but I feel still feel pretty good about those picks. I wasn't like humiliated by any of them. Do you have a worst pick from last week? I don't remember what they were. What game did you like? Were you watching? Where you're like, oh, that one didn't end up so well for me. Well, I mean, there were a lot of those. Well, I had Clemson minus ten as my lock of the week, and that didn't work out so well. So. And honestly, it wasn't even close to hitting. I'm gonna be real. I was watching. Did you watch that game? I watched most of it. And at no point was Clemson in a position to cover. And I'm not trying to give you a hard time, but like Clemson is just not in a good place right now. They were and they they were lucky to get that game to overtime. They were never really in position to win that game by ten plus. I don't think that's an embarrassing pick, because honestly, Clemson should beat NC State by ten. Where the game's at Death Valley or somewhere else, it shouldn't really matter. But they're just like I said, they're in a bad place right now. But I read today, and I may have read it or understood it the wrong way, or read it too quickly. Apparently today, Feinbaum said Dabo's dynasty is over, or it's falling. You know, I I actually kind of buy into that. I don't think Clemson's going to fall off the face of the earth. But guys, Clemson doesn't have the elite talent up and down the roster. I told you guys that all offseason when okay, we were previewing we Clemson. You told us. You told us. We get it. You know. Okay. All right. Fair. We know. You know that I know that we know that you know. I don't follow, but sure. Sure, exactly. Anyway, it, I mean, if you look at the, how they've been recruiting guys, they just don't have those kind of players. They don't have an Alabama or Georgia roster up and down the roster. They've had elite talent at the right spots. At quarterback, at skill position, you had Travis Etienne, the all-time leading rusher in ACC history. But when those guys move on, there are some holes. We saw it in the offensive line. There are some holes defensively as well. The Grayland defensive line, there's some issues in their secondary. They don't have the quarterback right now either. I mean, I think DJU is going to be a very good quarterback, but it was always a stretch for him to come in right away, no matter what he did last year in two starts, and replace the kind of production that Trevor Lawrence put up there as the number one overall draft pick in the NFL last year. So this is a team that if you go back and look at the past couple, I mean, their junior class right now, had like, like I think like close to 23 stars, and they're feeling the effects of that. They just don't recruit like we do. They recruit at a top 10 level, but you know what, guys? We also recruit at a top 10 level with Mark Rick, and you kind of saw what happened there. We didn't like completely fall off the face of the earth, but it wasn't good enough. And I think Clemson at some point might find themselves in that situation if they don't hit on those quarterbacks like they were hitting. And I think DJU is going to be good, but like after that, I mean, we'll see. And Clemson also, they had this like weird thing where Dabo's culture is like, we don't take transfers, we don't take JUCO. So when they have holes in their offensive line, which they clearly do right now, they don't fill them. They just like, they're riding with who they got because they're not going to take any transfers, which it's a choice they're making, but. I don't think that's a, a crazy take by Paul Feinbaum. Honestly, I don't think that's crazy. All right, but anyway, we got some picks to make here, Charlie. 
Um, actually, before we get there, I do want to give a shout out here. Our Instagram followers, we're trying to get you guys involved here. Make sure, I think last week I forgot to mention this. I'm not going to forget this week. Instagram followers, we're putting these picks on Instagram every single week. So you guys can vote there for each of these games on the slate. Our Instagram followers went 3-5 and five last week, which brings their cumulative record to 15-17 and 17 on the season. And I've also been meaning to do this the past couple weeks, but in the interest of full disclosure, and Charlie, you can affirm this, I am an idiot. I'm just not a smart person. I'm dumb. So I forgot to um, mention this really every single time we've done these episodes once we actually hit to record, but not this week. It's not going to happen again. A quick update on our Glory UGA confidence pool that we've been running this season. At the top, we got HBTF. How about them, as you can imagine, insert your word there, dogs. Uh, it's currently sitting at number one through four weeks with 165 points and a 25-15 and 15 record. So great start there. Followed by PD19 with 154 points. And then we got Tom Harlow's picks at 153 and an impressive 28-12 and 12 record. Longtime listener Cliff is right behind the top three with 152 points overall, 29-11 record. That's also a very impressive record, Cliff. Great job, man. I'm hanging right around the top 10, not quite there, at number 11 with 145 points. Uh, Iowa State and USC hit me hard last week. I had them with pretty high confidence points up uh, the top there with my picks. They both got upset. They both lost. In retrospect, picking USC to win that game was not the smartest. And I'm picking them to win makes sense, but putting them with the confidence level I had was not great, especially considering they don't have their quarter or their, their coach right now. So that was bad on my part. So they hit me pretty hard last week. I will say ESPN did a really good job of picking kind of random games that I didn't have a ton of confidence in for last week's slate, but I'm still, I'm, I'm hanging. I'm hanging. I'm still within striking distance. Curtis is right by me with 144 points. And Charlie, 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 Charlie. Not doing so well. Well, Charlie, you have 66 points. I hate that thing. Um, but Charlie, here's the thing: you have 66 points in an 11 and nine record. Charlie, um, our leader is there with a 25 and 15 record, so he's picked 15 games. You've picked 20. So um, what has happened last, there? I did it last week, but I, I don't know if I did it under. I don't know because I got two different emails. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Do you know what the function of a save button is? Do you did you see the save button? Once you, once you made your picks, did it? Did you click save? I don't know. I mean, I think it auto saves. Or did you? Do you have separate accounts and you made it on a different account, different I email? I think I may have because I got two different emails this week. Okay, so Charlie. Results. Okay, so I went back and looked, and you have not made picks in for that the account that's currently in our league in the last two weeks. Oh. So that's why you're sitting there at 66 points. You're actually like you haven't been terrible in those first two weeks, but last two weeks you're kind of just uh, you have nothing. So. Um, Is anyone surprised by this? I'm not. I think honestly, this would be something more like what I would do. It makes me want to throw my phone across. Well, the you're room. usually far more organized and like together with it than I am. But I just don't enjoy. You don't like the confidence. You like you like pick 'em leagues. You don't uh, like confidence yeah. picks. Because the way that it's set up, when I do it on my phone, I can't see it all. I guess I should do it on my computer. I can't see it all. And so then when you want to like move someone, it's just the abbreviations. Okay. And so it's I get very frustrated and just tap things and press submit. See, I love the confidence pick. I think it's fun because like anybody can pick a winner, but like let's tell me how much confidence you have in that game. So Oh, so you're calling me um No, I just told you that you were doing a great job until you just stopped making picks on the right account. I mean I mean user error a little bit there. I mean it is what it is, but 
that's what we got right now. We'll, we'll try to update you guys on that each week as well. We're having a lot of fun with that. And uh, all right, we've got a much better slate of games this week. This is probably the best week of college football through the first five weeks. So I'm excited about it. Charlie, let's get to it. Well, can anyone guess with what game we're going to start with? Well, you like to start in chronological order, which I do think makes sense. Uh, probably the big new kickoff. So I'm going to say, what was that, Michigan-Wisconsin? On Fox. Let's go. Right. Well, Jim Harbaugh's Wolverines have gotten off to a strong 4-0 start, and with Ohio State not looking like a vintage Ohio State team, the Wolverines have visions of winning the Big Ten East this season. But this week, they're a one-point underdog as they travel to Wisconsin to take on the Badger team that is licking its wounds from last week's loss to Notre Dame at Soldier Field. Man. I'm score- still jealous of that game. Yeah, well... You know, it is you're going to be for a long time. Yeah, it's never going to happen for us. The okay. score was lopsided last week in the loss to the Irish, but that doesn't really tell the whole story. They held Notre Dame to 242 total yards and actually outgained the Irish, but when you turn the ball over five times... Yeah, it's not going to work. You're not going to win any football games. This is a throwback Big Ten matchup, as these are two prototypical Big Ten teams with a good defense that's gritty and a physical run run game. I can't speak today. I'm it's okay. sorry. It's all right. It happens to me all the time. Yeah. This one really is a total toss-up in my mind. I mean, it literally is minus like, one. Like, yes, minus one is but about... That is a toss-up. It's going to be about, obviously, who comes out and plays a cleaner game, which is hard to predict with these two teams. I'm going with Michigan. Michigan? Yeah, I mean, I guess. Flip a coin. Michigan. Michigan. Hail to the victor. Okay. All right. Michigan it is for Charlie. I'm actually going to disagree with you here, Charlie. I'm with Vegas on this one. Um, I will also say I'm kind of with Vegas in the fact that, yeah, it's kind of a toss-up. I don't know which direction to go with. I don't have a great read on it. I don't have a high level of confidence in this one. Michigan, to this point, I think it's fair to say has been more impressive. Both teams, as you mentioned, Charlie, uh, these are throwback Big Ten teams. They're defensive-oriented. I think the Wisconsin defense is stronger. They're second nationally, and they kind of have been there right around with us for the past couple of years. Jim Leonard does a great job as a defensive coordinator. I honestly don't think either offense is great. Michigan, Michigan could not do anything against Rutgers. They only are actually only averaging 331 yards a game against Power 5 teams. Wisconsin, I know, is not great on offense either. They've got a lot of a lot of hate there, but they're actually averaging more yards per game against Power 5 teams than Michigan is. They're averaging 365. Michigan, when you watch this team play, guys, losing Ronnie Bell in Week 1 was a blow for this team. They have no playmakers at wide receiver now. He was their senior playmaker at that position. They just don't have anybody now. And Kay McNamara, quarterback, is the definition of a game manager. They do have two pretty good running backs that I like in Haskins and Corm. Corm's a, kind of a burner. He's their home run guy. But I actually think Wisconsin has better playmakers at, uh, really all over their offense, whether it's wide receiver with Danny Davis and Kobe Pryor. I, I think Malusi's been okay at running back for them, the transfer from Clemson. The problem for the Wisconsin offense has been Graham Mertz. A little buyer's remorse there, guys. You know, in his after his first game, people were talking like, "Oh, Heisman, Graham Murray's like he's the savior for Wisconsin, the best quarterback they ever had." Well, I mean, I don't know, man. Like he's thrown one touchdown and six interceptions this year. He did have five touchdowns in his first against Illinois, which kind of picked up the hype, put it in high gear. But since that first game last year, he's thrown five touchdowns and eleven interceptions. That's not getting it done, guys. That's not getting it done. Like Charlie said, you're not going to win a lot of football games doing that. But I think Wisconsin's better on defense. Maybe not by a lot, but I do think that they're better on defense. I think they have more talent, more playmakers on offense if Graham Merch does not turn the ball over. I also think they're they're more desperate here. They've already got 
two losses on the season, and they are at home. They already have a conference loss in week one, and they are at home here. It's a good home environment. So jump around. I'm taking the Badgers in this toss-up game to win the game outright. Obviously, one-point favorite. I'm taking them to win and to cover. Okay. The next game on the slate features two teams coming off of losses as Tennessee is traveling to Como to try to get Josh Heupel's first SEC win. Did I say his name right? You said Josh Heupel's name right. Maybe the first time in your life. And Como, what a town. I miss you, Como. But it just doesn't look like Heupel. Like when you look at it phonetically, it doesn't look like Heupel. I mean, I don't know what... I don't know. I'm not... I don't teach phonetics. I don't know. So, but yeah, I mean, what do you think it was like? Heupel? Hupel? Hupel? Yeah. Hypel. Well, it's Hypel. Sure, Hypel. Anyway, Missouri lost a heartbreaker in overtime at Boston College last week, but they'll try to get things back on track against the Volunteers. And the Tigers are a three-point favorite in this game. Tennessee played Florida well for a half last weekend in the Swamp, but things obviously got away from them in the second half. They haven't been as dreadfully bad as I thought they might be this season. But they're still not great. But they're still not great. And therefore, I'm picking Mizzou. Give them the home field edge here. Yeah. Mizzou to cover. Are you confident in that one? Is this? Are you locking it up? Have you figured out what your lock is yet? I figured out what my lock is, but it's but not It's not that. this one. It's not this one. Okay. All right. So, Charlie's going with Mizzou. Charlie, that Missouri defense, I like to use the word dreadful. I'm going to borrow it, okay? That Missouri defense is dreadful. They cannot stop the run at all. All And guys, when I say at all, I mean at all. They're 129th in the country in rush defense. Give up 271 yards a game. Just to make sure everyone knows, there's only 130 teams in the FBS. They are almost dead last in the country against the run. They're giving up 6.6 yards per rush. Every single time a team turns around, hands the ball off against this Missouri defense, they're giving up six yards. Six yards to carry. That's insane. They give up another 275 to Boston College, who was playing without a starting quarterback. So you would think they kind of loaded against the run, forcing them to beat them with their arm, and they still couldn't stop the run. They still couldn't do it. Now, you're also right, Charlie, saying Tennessee's not very good. Their pass game is very bad. It's not there. Defense is, it's okay at best. But they do run the football pretty well. They're 32nd nationally at over 200 yards a game on the ground. Not a great matchup for Missouri. They can't stop the run. What does Tennessee do best? They run the football. Tennessee's not an elite rushing offense, but that's what they do best on offense. And Hinden Hooker coming at quarterback, he's not great. He's not dynamic. He's not elite, but he has stabilized that Tennessee offense. Missouri is pretty good on offense, but as evidenced last week against Boston College, they're not good enough to overcome maybe the worst run defense in Power 5 football. I'm not crazy confident in this one because I really don't have much faith in Tennessee either, especially going all on the road, making a long trip to Como. But the Vols did show me a little bit of something in that first half against Florida last week. They basically played them even more or less in that first half. And I think what they do well, running the football, matches up very well with Missouri's fatal flaw, which is they can't stop the run. So, Charlie, upset special. Give me the Vols to go on the road and not just cover, but win outright in a game that might ultimately get this W, that might ultimately end up putting them over the top into a bowl in Josh Heupel's first season. Now, there's a couple of their swing games, but this is this, if they get this one, they'll go a long way towards getting into bowl eligibility. Mother's Day is around the corner. 
Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Okay. Well, next up, Notre Dame is coming off a big win over Wisconsin, but they don't have any time to celebrate because they come back home as a a two-and-a-half-point underdog for a top-ten matchup against Cincinnati. I still... Yeah, okay. I'm a little surprised by this line, and that's why I'm currently confused, because I just don't get it. Two-and-a-half? Yeah. Well, the fact that Cincinnati is favored? All of it. Like, just looking at it, you're like, I don't understand. Yeah, I just... The Bearcats successfully crossed the first Power 5 hurdle they had to cross in order to have a shot at the college football playoff berth by beating Indiana on the road a few weeks ago. But the Navy and Gold hurdle they have to jump over this week is a different animal. I'm still not convinced Notre Dame is an elite team. I'm right there with you. But then again, I'm also not convinced that Cincinnati is a legitimate top 10 team. It just... It doesn't I just feel don't right, buy it. right? I don't buy it. Someone's going to get exposed as a pretender in this game for sure. And I know that I've knocked them a lot over the past year or two. Um, and I'm going to knock them again. Oh, Charlie's knocking them again. I like their experience at key positions, but they have to win this game. And I just don't Too know. Too much pressure? Yeah, I just don't know that they can get past the challenge. <sighs> okay, so... See, with me, that desperation... So this is my upset special. I'm announcing it because okay. I picked Notre Dame. Notre Dame upset special. I wrote it on the sheet. It's crazy this is an upset special. Notre Dame at home against Cincinnati. I know Cincinnati's been good the past couple years, but the idea, like, if you if someone had been, like, on Mars for the past 10 years and they come back and, like, wow, Notre Dame to beat Cincinnati at home is, is an upset, that would just feel crazy to them. So I get what you're saying there. And I understand what you're saying. Like the pressure might be too much. They're going to play too tight. And that has happened for teams in games before. So that's not a crazy thing to say. But I could also see the flip side and say like they're like laser focused in this game. They're going to come to play business trip. They know they have to have this game if they're going to play for the college football playoff or get a chance to even be in a conversation for a college football playoff berth. So I mean, it could go both ways. It's just hard to know. But Charlie, when I look at this game, I think Cincinnati is the better team. I really do. I, I, I'm not saying they're like a legit top 10 team, 
But I do think in this matchup, because like you said earlier, I'm I'm just not buying Notre Dame as a top 10 team. I, I don't buy them right now. They're good. They're solid. They're, they're decent, but better than decent. But I don't think they're like a true top 10 team, even though Cincinnati might not be either. But I think Cincinnati is the better team. I know Notre Dame just beat Wisconsin 41-13 in a really hyped matchup last week. It looked lopsided if you look at that final score. But if you watch the game, which you know a lot of you did, it really wasn't that lopsided. Guys, Notre Dame only had 248 total yards in that game. They got outgained by Wisconsin. But the five Wisconsin turnovers, including two pick sixes, that's what sealed the deal and made it look a lot worse, made the final score look a lot worse and the victory look a lot more decisive than it really was in reality. And I look at the Cincinnati team and I compare the rosters. I think Cincinnati has more experience in key spots. They do. Uh, I think also the Bearcats are better on defense. Marcus Freeman's an interesting little thing here. He was the coordinator for... Cincinnati the past couple years actually was living with Luke Fickle and his family. So they're really close, but he took the job at Notre Dame when Clark Lee went to Vanderbilt as their head coach. He, he took over there as their demons coordinator in South Bend. So there's some, familiar, some familiarity there on both sides. And I do think both teams need this game. Notre Dame uh, beating Wisconsin went a long way to give them more credibility because there were some serious questions about them the first couple of weeks. You know, yeah, they beat Florida State, but what kind of win was that? And overtime, struggled with Toledo a little bit. So I think there were some questions coming to that Wisconsin game, and they, and they started to answer those questions. But again, like they did not dominate Wisconsin the way that some people are, are making it out that they did. They just simply did not. So I think they need this game. Cincinnati obviously needs this game, as you said, Charlie. This is this is it. If they don't win this game, there's no chance they're going to make a college football playoff berth. No chance for it. And I obviously, Cincinnati's had this game struggle for a long time now. Cincinnati, here's the thing with Cincinnati, too. You mentioned the first hurdle against Indiana. They got over that one, right? Right. They beat, Cincinnati, they, they beat Indiana. But Cincinnati played really badly in that game. I watched that entire game. They played extraordinarily poorly against Indiana, and they still found a way to win that game on the road by two touchdowns against a Power 5 opponent. So I would say I don't count on them to play like that again here in this spot. I don't really want Cincinnati to win. I really don't. Because if they, a win here for Cincinnati gives their playoff hopes a boost, and I like let's say if we end up like losing the SEC championship game, if we get there, or we end up with one loss, however that looks, I don't want Cincinnati to be sitting there as an undefeated team and there'd be the conversations. Does an undefeated Cincinnati team with a win over Notre Dame and in Indiana, do they deserve to be in over a one-loss Georgia team? You know, the Clemson win's not as looking as, as great right now, right? So I don't want that to be a conversation. So I would love for them to lose and kind of just be out of the playoff picture. But I think they're gonna win. And I got to be intellectually honest here. I actually feel pretty confident in this one. So I'm, I don't think I'm going to lock this one up, although I'm close to it. I really do like Cincinnati in this spot. So give me the Bearcats to win and cover the two and a half. Okay. Well, Ole Miss is ranked 12th and have gotten off to a fast 3-0 start so far this season. Bama is undefeated and ranked number one. What else is new? But luckily for Ole Miss, they had a bye week last week, and they really haven't been challenged this season with games against Louisville, App State, and Tulane. So you know Lane Kiffin has been preparing for this game all season. So that could be a good and a bad thing. All season, all off season, he's been preparing for this one for a while. Right. But the bad thing is they haven't really been challenged or pushed. Fair. So we'll see. Bama is a 14.5 point favorite and will come prepared and ready like they always do. So we'll see if Ole Miss's passing game can shake things up and make Bama nervous like two weeks ago when they only beat Florida by two. I think this game is going to be extremely entertaining to watch. I think it's going to be a fun one, yeah. Just the level of football, but also I find Lane Kiffin to be completely fascinating. He's awesome. He's an interesting He's awesome. character. Yeah. I actually would like the broadcast to have 
him in the corner constantly, like a camera on him the entire game. And they could even do like Kiffin on top, Saban on bottom, and then like the other three quarters of the screen. <laughs> oh my the god! I don't know game. if I would go with that far. No, but they're two very drastically different personalities. Oh yeah, yeah, they are. And it's just interesting to watch. It's so, guys like him. The characters like that are one of the reasons that, that college ball is so great. It makes exactly. it such a unique sport. Exactly. Yeah. Sorry. Got a little off track there. But as for picks, I'm not so sure Ole Miss can pull the upset at Bama, but I do think they'll be able to cover. I would love for Ole Miss to knock Bama off I mean, of their God, top I mean, spot. Incredible. But at the same time, I would kind of like for Georgia to knock them off. Yeah, I kind of want Kirby to be the first coach, the first former him. assistant to right. be saving. Yeah, that would be that would be preferable for me. Oh uh, yeah, but it would. I mean, but I'd be okay if if yeah. if, if, if Kiffin. That would be that would be hilarious. Um, I'm gonna go with Ole Miss to cover, and this is also my lock of the week. Oh, I know that. Most Whoa, people are Charlie, you're, you're picking against the evil empire. I am. I am. You just like Lane Kiffin. I do like Lane Kiffin. I feel like this is a heart. I feel like this is a heart, not head pick. Him and Sam Pittman, like Sam Pittman's just Sam an Pittman's incredibly the, nice Sam guy. Sam Pittman's the enemy this week. He sucks. We hate him. Well, I still like for, him. No, nope, no, nope, not for this week. But Lane Kiffin, he's just a character. Like you can't not like him. Like even no, though hilarious. he can be like an idiot, you just there's other words you, I would use, but yes, right, idiot words. But trying to keep it PG. Yeah, you just can't not laugh at him. He's hilarious. He's like great he for college football. He just wants to have a good time. He's great for college football. Yep. We need more guys like that in college football. Yep. He's fantastic. He's a, he's a great foil for Saban, too. And I wrote it down. So, lock. Wow. Ole Miss, Charlie, Evil I Empire. Know, that's a big one. It's probably a bad lock, bad pick, but we'll see. Honestly, Charlie, I don't hate it. I'm really not going to lie. I don't hate it because, honestly, man, I really, really want to call for the outright upset in this game. Like, I, I was thinking about going with an upset special, Charlie, like a second upset special here. So, I don't think this is really crazy at all. You look at Ole Miss, guys. It's a good football team. This is a good football team. You're right, Charlie. I've not been challenged, but maybe that's because they're pretty good. You know, that's, that's another way to look at it. They are leading the country in offense, 638 yards a game. They're 10th in passing offense, 4th in rushing offense, almost 300 yards a game on the ground, guys. I don't think they get enough credit for that. I think people just think Lane Kiffin's offense is just throwing the ball over the place. They are incredibly balanced. That's what makes them so difficult to handle. They can run the ball, throw the ball with equal effectiveness. They aren't great on defense. They're still not great, but they are so much better than they were last year. They brought in a bunch of transfers at the transfer portal hard, and it's worked out for them. They brought in a guy named Chance Campbell, a linebacker. He's not elite, but he's a really good player for them. Kind of stabilizes their defense, and uh, they're doing, they're just playing much better on that side of the ball. And that's what we said all offseason. Like, hey, Ole Miss, like we know they're gonna be able to score. If they can just play decent defense, like this could be a team that that does some things, maybe they, that can kind of push for the West potentially. And if you remember last year's game, Bama outscored them 63-48, to but it took 63 points and over 700 yards of offense for Bama to outscore them last year. Ole Miss put up 650 themselves. And I've been, I've been saying this, guys. I'll stick to it until they prove me wrong. Bama is not the same on offense. They just aren't. They're still really good, but they're not what they have been. And I don't think it's a guarantee that they can beat Ole Miss in a shootout this year because Ole Miss is going to be able to score and their defense is playing better. Obviously, this game being in Tuscaloosa helps. I like that it's not a 7 o'clock game. I'm just, I really want to pick the outright upset special here, but I just can't quite bring myself to go that far out on the limb and call for it. But Charlie, I don't hate your pick here. I'm going to take Ole Miss to make it interesting. I've got Ole Miss to also cover this game. I'm not going to lock it up. 
Not quite confident enough. I'm close, but not confident, not quite confident enough. But I like Ole Miss to cover the 14 and a half on the road. All right. Next up, we're going to stay in the SEC, but jump over to a big matchup in the Eastern Division with Florida going north to Wildcat Country. Tyler, I know you've been talking about this game for weeks. You've been on Kentucky. I have. However, they are an eight and a half point home dog against Florida. Mm-hmm. The Wildcats have Will Levis. Levis, Levis, Levis. Levis. I had it right, and I Levis. second guess myself. That, that, well, all the announcers are now like like uniformly saying Levis, so okay. we're gonna go with it. All right, he's a quarterback this year, and he has actually given Kentucky the ability to throw the ball, which we haven't seen. That's very new in for a them. long time. Yep. Uh, Kentucky is 4-0, but they did struggle a little against South Carolina last weekend, only winning 16-10, barely covered. Uh, but I think that's because, one, it was at night. Two, mm-hmm. South Carolina can be loud and obnoxious. It's a very tough place to play at night, yeah. Um, and they've also been p- taking a sneak peek on the schedule um, to this weekend with Florida coming to town. Yep. So, mm, It's a tough one. I'm going to pick Kentucky to cover. Kentucky to cover. All right. All right. Well... You're right, Charlie. Thank you for reminding everyone that I have been all Kentucky for a while, and I've been talking about this game, how I think Kentucky's going to win for like pretty much the entire season already. I'm less confident in that pick than I was, say, three or four weeks ago. I will admit that. Florida is embracing who they are on offense. They're kind of figuring things out on that side of the ball a little bit. They still can't throw the ball very well, but they're embracing that. The Kentucky offense on the flip side has come back down to earth a little bit. They went for 564 and 519 yards in their first two games, but they've come back down to earth, 357 yards, 332 yards each of the past two games on offense. But I still think Levis makes this Kentucky team different, and they are a very balanced team, which can be tough to handle. I really don't think either team is elite on defense, but I'm telling you, man, there are holes in that Florida defense. Kentucky likes to establish the run and take play-action shots to Wondell Robinson and Josh Ali down the field. They can hit those against Florida if they can protect him. Florida has a couple of good passers like Zach Carter. Brent Cox is fine, whatever. And Kentucky, though, has one of the best offensive lines in America. So I think they're going to have a chance to establish a run, protect Levis well enough to take some shots down, field off play-action, and hit some of those shots. I think they can hit them against that Florida secondary. Florida, I will admit, still has more talent up and down the roster. I think, I mean, I don't even know if you can really argue that, but I think this Kentucky team is just built better and is just more balanced, and I think that's important. Plus, a home game at night in Lexington. Charlie, you've been to night games in Lexington. That can be an underrated, tough environment. It can be. Absolutely can be. It's tougher than you think. I'm, I am, again, less confident in this pick than I was a couple weeks ago. But I have been talking this game up all year, as Charlie reminded us. So I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going to take the Cats to cover the 8.5. And And what the heck? Give me upset special number two on the week. I'm going with a bonus upset special. I've been talking it up. I'm leaning fully into it. This might be more heart than head, but I really want Florida to lose. Give me the Cats to win. And I think they can do it if you look at the matchups here. Okay. Didn't know you were going to go that far. I'm going that far. I did it. Got it. I've been talking it up too much not to. Well, like the Tennessee-Mizzou game, our next game is another game featuring two teams coming off of tough losses. Texas A&M is hosting Mississippi State as a seven-point favorite. A&M, A&M excuse me, pretty much got dominated by Arkansas, and Mississippi State fell short at home against LSU. So both teams are looking back to get looking to get back on track this weekend. I'm glad you can read. I'm sorry. It's really good to know. Read, speak. It's hard. I'm. Yeah. It's not hard, though. Well. Reading and speaking, it's like those are basic 
things that humans have to do to function. Okay. Well, despite the quarterback issue with Zach Calzada, I still think A&M is a top 10 caliber team. And on the other side, Mississippi State has been struggling all year, even going back to week one, where they had to pull out a miracle comeback to beat Louisiana Tech. I think A&M is the more talented team, and they're at home, so I don't see how Mississippi State is going to be able to move the ball against the A&M defense, so I'm going with Aggies. That's a fair take. I like it. Um, I will also say this, though, Charlie. A&M has some problems on offense right now. They are just not explosive. They cannot hit explosive plays. They're having to just paper cut their way down the field. They are 12th in the SEC in plays of 20-plus yards and 11th in the league in plays of 30-plus yards. And that's nothing new for Jimbo Fisher. His offense is just not built to be explosive. And that's fine if you're just that much more talented than everyone you're playing, but that's just not the case right now. And when you have a backup quarterback, it's hard to be that efficient where you can go eight, nine, ten plays on the field and score on a consistent basis. That's hard. So they're having problems on offense right now. But Mississippi State is less explosive than Texas A&M, which is hard to believe because that's contrary to what a lot of people think about the area. They associate Mike Leach in the area with his high-flying offense, throwing the ball over the field, big plays, explosiveness, yay, all that fun stuff. And that kind of used to be the case, but it's not really anymore because what teams are doing is they're dropping eight defenders with better athletes, and that has grounded the air raid in Starkville. They are 13th in the SEC and plays the 30-plus yards. They were 10th last year. They just aren't explosive, guys. They're kind of a, a they're not ground and pound because they don't run the football, but they're like the air raid version of ground and pound. Just three yards on the cloud and dust, but through the air. Both these teams do play good defense, but Charlie, I am with you. I think AM has the better defense. They have more game changers on the defense side of the ball with guys like DeMarvin Liao. And this is a, a game where I think the under might be the better bet. I think it's, I think it was at 47 the last time I looked. But if I have to pick against the spread, I think AM is going to win this football game. I feel confident about that. If we were just picking winners, I'd say, yeah, give me AM. I'm very confident there. Seven, I mean, I just, I don't really trust AM offense to really score that much right now. And Mississippi State's pretty good defensively. So if I had to pick against the spread, give me AM coming back home, looking to stay in the SEC West race. Because another loss for them, and it's over. We know they have Bama on deck. Hopefully, this is not a look ahead game. Hopefully, the, week, the game last week against Arkansas got their attention. So I'd like them to come back home and win this game at night. Okay. And cover this up. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, well, the ESPN nightcap this weekend is the annual matchup between the Tigers and the Tigers as Auburn and LSU rekindle their SEC West rivalry. Bo Nix getting benched last week against Georgia State and TJ Finley coming in to save the day is the most interesting storyline of the week for me. Although TJ Finley wasn't like outstandingly better Outstandingly better. I love that turn of phrase. Um, he was not great last year. He was not great last year. 
Well, I mean, even... I mean, that's why he transferred. But it's not like he came in on Saturday and was like... Lighting the world on fire. Exactly. So it's not an easy decision to be like... He was just not terrible. Exactly. So it's... Yeah. It's a hard position for... uh, What's his name? Nix, Finley, all the above. Brian Harson. Harson. There we go. There we go. One of those guys. Harson Heifel, they both start with an H. It gets confusing. New coaches, yeah. But does it? (laughs) Just kidding. Well... Finley's coming back to Baton Rouge to play his old team, and Auburn smoked the Bengal Tigers last year, 48-11. to I forgot about smoked that. Smoked them. But they also haven't won in Baton Rouge this century. That's a crazy number. They yeah. have not won in Baton Rouge this century. Correct. Since the turn of the century. That's crazy. Correct. That's crazy. It's crazy. Their last win over LSU in Baton Rouge came in 1999, so that's 10 straight losses in Death Valley for the Plainsmen. As you might imagine, with a recent history like that, LSU is the three-and-a-half-point home favorite. But not only is this game in Baton Rouge, but it's a night game in Tiger Stadium, which is why we aren't playing at night. Yep, that's exactly why. So, Screw them. I don't know. I'm okay with you're the game. You're excited. I don't know what you're talking I'm about. I'm okay with the noon game. I know other people You're like, thank you, LSU. Thank you for I'm existing. Like, yeah, this is great. No, this is, but this, you're right. This is why we're playing at noon. So it's a night game. It's also at 9 p.m. So the Cajuns are going to be extra rowdy and extra loud. LSU is better at quarterback. They have more playmakers on offense. And they're at home at night. So give me LSU. Charlie, I agree with you. All signs are pointing to LSU in this game. The Bo Nix, TJ Finley saga, that's very interesting. I don't know what's going to happen. We'll we'll figure it out here. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if they both played. If it's Bo Nix, we know the road splits. We've gone over this many times recently with the, with the Penn State game. 13 touchdowns of 12 interceptions, 54% complete percentage, 5.4 yards per attempt and at road stadiums or at neutral environments. At home, different story. 20 touchdowns, one pick, 67% completion percentage, 8.5 yards per attempt. And, you know, I've been on this for years, guys. I don't think he's any good. I've been saying it for years. But you didn't need me to tell you that. You all have eyes. You watch the guy play. You know as well as I do, Bo Nix is not good. And now he's got a coach that realizes, oh, yeah, he's not very good. But, Charlie, you're right. TJ Finley, um, we'll see, I guess. I don't think he's great either. They also just fired their wide receiver coach randomly. Um, the wide receivers just aren't very good. They, they, I don't want to say they've been, he's been a scapegoat. They had some issues in Georgia State where a couple of times they had enough guys on the field and they traced it back to wide receivers. They fired him here a couple of weeks in the season. They do have two really good running backs, though, but I just don't think they're balanced enough right now to beat good teams, especially with the issues at quarterback. They play pretty good defense, but they're, they're not elite on that side of the ball. They're just not. I mean, they have some veterans at the second and third level, but it's not an elite defense. I honestly believe LSU is absolutely the more talented team here. They don't always play like that, but they are the more talented team. And you're right, Charlie. It's a night game in Death Valley. Auburn has not won in Death Valley this century. Crazy number. But they have quarterback controversy. They got turmoil within the coaching staff. Maybe, maybe there's some outside chances. This is kind of Auburn's circle the wagon game. But I think LSU has to be the clear pick in this game. I think all signs are pointing to LSU in this game. I don't think this line is near big enough. I know LSU's got issues themselves, but they're better than Auburn. All signs in this game point to LSU. So lock it up, Charlie. LSU to win, to cover, lock of the week. Finally, let's talk about the matchup between the Dogs and the Hogs on Saturday at noon. 
If you have tickets to the game, let's get there early and be ready for kickoff. Kirby mentioned in his post-game press conference last week that he needs the fans to be elite just like the players, so hopefully everyone will show up ready to go on Saturday morning. Yes, morning. The kickoff is at noon, so you need to be there at like 1130. It's Charlie Lecture, guys. You must do exactly as she says. I mean, it would help the team out, for sure. Especially if there are any students listening to this. You guys tend to get there a little late. Although no, you didn't get there no, late. That, the lower you didn't level get there students. Late. The, no, the lower level students are there on time. They do There's a great job. There's still student tickets. It's the block. It's the block seating frat sorority and, people that and, don't get there on time. Well, and but leave early. Still students. Yeah, but that's not lump all students together. A lot of the students are there on time doing right. a great job. Very well, early. Georgia's having a fantastic season, so let's help them out. I was impressed with the play at Vanderbilt last weekend. In the past, we haven't played up to our full potential against teams like Vandy. But that wasn't the case last weekend, especially with the 62-0 beatdown. Um, a lot of our backups got some opportunity to play last weekend, which is great for the program and will help guys stick around and not transfer because, you know, that portal can be pretty uh, yeah. enticing if you're not getting a lot of reps or chances to play. Now, as for Arkansas's head coach, Sam Pittman, it's only his second year leading the Razorbacks, but he's done extremely well so far. They're 4-0 and currently own the state of Texas – after beating Texas a few weeks ago and then getting the win over AM at Jerry's World last weekend. Their starting quarterback, K.J. Jefferson, did not play the entire game last weekend. You guys have heard about this. He left the game due to a leg or an ankle injury but came back in during the first fourth quarter. So we'll have to see if he gets the start this weekend or if his backup, Malik Hornsby, gets the start. It's another big line for the Dogs. We're favored by 18.5 in this one. Mm. It's a tough one. I know you hate big lines. I'll take it. UGA. Oh, Charlie. This is a new thing for you. I thought for sure you were going to take I know. Arkansas. Well, maybe you'll Your boy say Sam something Pittman. and I'll change my Your mind. Boy, I, I, I do have that effect sometimes. I thought you were, were going to ride with your boy Sam Pittman. I really want I'm to. proud of you. I think I'm going to change no, it now. No, do what you want. I, I'm not talking <laughs> to anything. You do what you want. It is almost three touchdowns. I just don't know. Yeah, we'll go with Arkansas. On the fly, changing picks here, live on the show. Arkansas it is for Charlie. Arkansas just to, to cover, right? Not to win. Yeah. To cover. All right. That didn't sound too confident. <laughs> well, I mean, I want them to do well, but I no, don't No, 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 no. You cannot. No, Arkansas, you, you cannot want them to do well this week. That, you, that's not allowed. I want them to do well, but I don't want them to beat us. You would not let me finish the sentence. You cut me off. Well, you can't start with, well, the team we're playing this this week, I want them to do well. No, they're the enemy this week. Period. Sam Pittman is the enemy. I understand that, but I can still want them to do well. I just don't want them to beat us. So you don't want them to do well this week? I mean, I want them to do... I don't want it to be a blowout. Well, no, That's not any Charlie. fun to watch. Charlie, we want... Like, if you want what's good for Georgia, we need this game to be a blowout. Like, this is a top 10 matchup. We, if we blow out a top 10 team, that's very good for our resume. I understand that. I just have conflicting feelings. Then the, I, I don't... Charlie, you cannot have conflicting feelings against a team that we're playing. You have to we be all in. We can still win by like 15 or 12. Mm, no. Not. There could be no confliction here. Is that I just order? hope that it's a respectable loss on Arkansas's part. What is Sam Pittman? Do you know him personally? No. So I think he's a nice guy. this person that you know from afar, from really, really afar, you're saying, man, I really hope that we don't beat him so bad, even though beating him really badly would be good for our record, be really good for our resume. That makes no sense. I just, okay, fine, whatever. I mean, no, you can think that. I just think that's crazy. If, 
a true red-blooded Georgia fan wants us to blow them out. That's all I'm saying. Okay. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. And we can like Sam Pittman. We can feel bad for him after the week, after the game's over. But no, we 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 got we got to be all in for this one. So Charlie, it's a top ten matchup as you very well laid out there. It's a fairly hyped top ten matchup with game day in town. I'm kind of surprised by this line. Are you not surprised by the line? Top ten matchup, game day is coming to town. Line comes out, it's eighteen and a half. That's what I mean. I think it's too much. It. I mean, I don't know. And maybe it will end up being too. It's much. also a noon game. It's a noon game, but I think. And it's one of the things I said last week because I picked AM to win. I wanted them to win because I picked them to win. But I was okay with Arkansas winning because I thought that would get our guys' attention because I knew that would make this a top 10 matchup. And the fact that it was at noon, maybe it would mitigate some of those issues. So I think that does help. The fact game day is coming does help. I think the fans, Kirby's done a really good job of making us aware of the fact that we need to be there and be loud. So yeah, it's at noon. Traditionally, that's kind of a dead spot. But I don't think it will be this week because of the circumstances surrounding this game. I think it's a little overplayed right now. But it really is. And I'm going to give your boy Sam Pittman some credit here, Charlie. I know you love this guy. It really is amazing how much Arkansas has improved since Pittman took over the Razorback program. Guys, they had four wins in their 27 games before he took over. All right, Their last 27 games before Sam Pittman became their head coach, they won four of those. They've won seven of their 14 games, or seven and seven, which is not great under Sam Pittman, but that's a far cry from where they were before he took over. They've obviously won all four of their games this year. They're in the top 10. This is a good football team. They're physical. They're talented enough. They're well-coached. It's a well-schemed offense and defense. This team believes. The players play hard. And they have won the games that have been put in front of them. But a top 10 team? I don't know, man. By resume, yeah, sure. They have some good wins. By quality? Uh, Not so sure about that. I do think their profile early in the season. It's a small sample size. I think it's inflated a little bit from playing two young, inexperienced quarterbacks that are really back in quarterbacks. And Hudson Card at Texas, and obviously Zach Calzada last week with Texas A&M. Hudson Card is, I know he was a starter the first two weeks for Texas. He's not their starter anymore, and they're playing much better on offense without him. He's a backup right now at Texas, guys. Zach Calzada clearly is their backup. And they, again, they, they beat the team's Put in front of them. They won those games. Both games were high-profile games. They won them both. They deserve credit for that. But I also think there's some context. And we have to consider the reality that they weren't playing starting quarterbacks. They, they just really weren't. But that also doesn't mean they cannot come into town and beat us on Saturday. They are good enough to beat us if we don't play well. Now, you can't say that about every team on the schedule. I will say it about Arkansas, though. They are clearly not as talented as us. They are not as good as we are. But I, I think what I would say with Arkansas is that they're one of those any given Saturday teams. They're good enough and talented enough in spots that, yeah, they can jump up and beat us on any given Saturday. And I will admit, Charlie, I will say, I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you this. I don't love the noon start in terms of maximizing our home field advantage. I think it won't be a typical noon game. I think the crowd will be more into it than they typically would be because of all the circumstances that we laid out earlier. But I'd still rather it be at night. The home field advantage would be better at night. So got to get in there, guys. Get in there. Bring the heat, as Charlie said. But while Arkansas may be good enough to beat us on any given Saturday, I certainly don't think that is the most likely outcome. I, I, it's clearly not the most likely outcome. It's possible, but it's not the most likely outcome. They have been really good running the football on offense. They're top 10 in the country right now in rushing offense. But that doesn't match up with us. 
It's strength versus strength. Their rushing offense versus our rushing defense. Now, they will challenge our rush defense in a, in a way that we haven't been challenged before this season because of how their running game is structured with the quarterback run game and how much they feature the legs of K.J. Jefferson if he is healthy. And it sounded early in the week that Sam Pittman was very confident that both he and Traylon Burks would be fine. And his press conference on Wednesday didn't sound as confident. Now, is that gamesmanship or is it just pessimism at, at where they are right now? Who knows? I mean, I, it's hard to know. But if you guys watched in that, that A&M game, KJ Jefferson, I mean, he was struggling to move. He really was. So maybe he's fine. Maybe it's just a, a temporary little thing. But I mean, there's a good chance he's, even if he plays, he's not going to be 100%. So how does that affect their offense when so much was built on the run game and also how the quarterback affects their run game? Honestly, I'm more concerned about how we will handle their unique 3-2-6 defensive scheme. It's designed, as we laid out on the, the preview episode, it's designed to limit big plays and still allow them to defend the run well. That's one of the reasons they've been really good on defense. It's one of the reasons that they've been so good on third down defensively. What I think we need to do is commit to the ground game, force more bodies into the box to open up big play opportunities, pull them out of that shell. And I think it's also important in early lead in this game, force Arkansas to play from behind because that's not what this offense is built to do. No one's been able to make them do that. They've been front runners. They've been really good at being front runners. I think we need to make them uh, a team that's on the chase, that has to play from behind. I don't think they're built to do that offensively with with the passing game. I just don't think that's what they do. To me, as I laid out on the preview episode, the biggest key in this game is making KJ Jefferson a passer. We have to force him to beat us with his arm. You got to force them to play left-handed, and that means making Jefferson beat us with his arm. At the end of the day, I do think we're going to be able to limit. I'm not going to say we're going to shut down their run game, but I think we're going to be able to limit their run game better than anyone they have faced to this point. And that will force Jefferson to beat us with his arm. And I don't think he's capable of doing that. Honestly, if we're able to force him to be, to be a passer, I just don't think they're going to be able to score enough to beat us. I just simply do not. Charlie, I, I am with you. Like 18 and a half, like that's a big line. That's that's tough. The one of the questions we got with our mailbag this week was, if Georgia can stop the Arkansas run game, can this end up being a blowout? I think the answer is yes, if we like completely shut the run game down, because I don't think they can do anything else offensively. KJ Jefferson, their offense is not equipped to beat us if they have to throw the football 30, 40 times. They're just not. Can we slow the run game down like we have every other team that we played this year? I, I think there's a possibility. I, as I said, I do think it's a different challenge, and they're going to present more issues for us than some of the other teams have, because they have a mobile quarterback, and the way they scheme it up, Kendall Braz is a really good offensive coordinator. I don't know if we'll be as dominant against the run. It's just different. The option off guys do different things. So this is a tough one for me. I do think from a talent perspective, we are 18 and a half points better and 18 and a half points more talented than Arkansas. But I have been impressed with how they played. I think it's very impressive how they've been able to simultaneously limit explosive plays defensively and also be incredibly efficient and limit teams with third down conversions. They've been really good. Barry Odom is an awesome defense coordinator, really one of the best corners in America. He's starting to finally get some credit here. I don't think it's enough credit. I think Missouri firing him was a mistake. I think he was kind of scapegoated there to a degree. But the guy can flat out coach him defense. So my only concern is like, are we going to be able to put up enough points to beat them by 18 and a half? I don't think Arkansas is going to score a ton against us. I really don't. But they just don't give up big plays. They make teams go down the field and earn it. They rally to the football well. They make you check down, take the underneath passes, all those kind of things. I just don't know if we're going to be as explosive as we have been the past couple of weeks. Hopefully with the return of Darnell Washington, that kind of gives us another shot in the arm there. 
I think against anyone else, this might be a game where we get a, a late backdoor cover where we kind of ice the game away and go up by like three touchdowns late in the fourth quarter. I don't know if Kirby, like if the game's already in doubt, Kirby has a lot of respect. He loves Sam Pittman. I don't think he's obviously going to try to run the score up in any way, shape, or form. But I'm still kind of adjusting to us having this kind of offense that has explosive ability, has that ability to push the ball down the field, has multiple options, has receivers, has tight ends, has running backs, has a quarterback like JT Daniels. I'm still trying to adjust to that in terms of like making these picks against the spread because it wasn't always the case. We don't always have guys like that. I don't feel great. I'll say that. I don't feel great about us covering the spread like in terms of my confidence level here. But if I had to pick one way or the other, I'm going to say our guys are going to flex their muscle here. They understand this is a big game, game days in town, top 10 matchup at home. I think this is an opportunity for our guys to come out, flex their muscles a little bit against a team that they we are clearly more talented than. We're at home. I think the crowd has heard all week about how traditionally noon games, the crowds are bad, the crowds are quiet, crowds are lazy, crowds are lethargic. And I think the crowd's going to respond in a big way. I think the players are going to feed off that. And I think that we are going to end up covering the 18 and a half with a late backdoor cover. So give me the dogs here, minus 18 and a half over Arkansas. All right. Well, before we get out of here, do you want to do a quick recap of our picks? Yeah. I actually included everything I was supposed to. Yeah. I always mean to do this. And then it's one of those things, again, we press record and it gets late in the episode and know we got to go. And it's like, oh, uh, yeah, I just forget. So yeah, thank you for reminding me. All right. Well, we have a difference in the first game. I picked Michigan. You picked Wisconsin. I picked Mizzou. You picked Tennessee as your upset special number one of the week. I had Notre Dame as my upset special, and you're taking Cincinnati. I took a lock with Ole Miss. You also picked Ole Miss. But not locking it not up. Locking not it locking it up. it up. Close. Both took UK. That's your upset special number two. I guess that's my second upset special. Well, are you special. picking them to win outright or just to cover the eight and a half? Uh, I'm just picking them. To, well, I think they'll win. I mean, it could go either way. But it doesn't matter. So you're not taking an upset special. There. We okay. both took AM. Um, we both took LSU. However, you're locking up LSU. Lock them up. I'm taking Arkansas to cover the spread, and you are taking UGA. So we have like four different picks this week. Usually it's like one or two. All right, I like one, this. Two, three, four, five. Five different picks. All right, this is separation Saturday, Charlie. We've kind of been hanging around the same record all season long at this point through the first month yeah take a picture we've got to have this because yes charlie refuses to put this on a spreadsheet so we've written down on paper and charlie is now taking a picture this is uh obviously Easily accessible that's very 2006 of you charlie thank you <laughs> very 2006 of you but all right guys that's it for today thank you for listening for charlie i'm tyler hopefully we can pull this one out at home big game be there early loud proud get crazy And hopefully we can send Charlie's beloved Sam Pittman home with a big fat L. But again, thanks for listening, guys. For Charlie, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.